0: Uh, Let's start at the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. While you're turning there, I say now that I see you in the light, welcome. We're glad that you're here, each and every one of you, on this Wednesday night. Um, Many have already begun traveling. It's exciting that it's summer. Uh, Many are already traveling different vacations, um, but we're excited. We want them to be safe to each and every one of you. We're excited. Camp season is about to be upon us, many, many will be sending their young people to camp starting next week. We want to be praying for them. Everybody said amen. Amen. What a powerful move of God we had here on Sunday. Wonderful crowd, dynamic, dynamic presence. Um, Just not only presence of people. It's good to have a lot of people here, but it doesn't really matter unless the presence of God is here. And to see people repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank the Lord. If if that doesn't excite me, I I want to pray and ask God help me, help me to be excited again about what excites the heart of God. First Peter chapter three. We're starting a new series. Um, we've got three weeks, and then the fourth week this month we will be joining together at family camp, supporting our family camp to be a part of that. Uh, many of you remember Luke Levine being here preaching for us some time ago. One of the greatest messages on salvation that I've ever heard. He will be our camp preacher and uh, we'll be excited together not far from here at family camp, those that are able to be there. But for the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about Christian worldview and what worldview is because there are many worldviews in conflict. There's no way we can thoroughly exhaust the topic and tonight I'm certainly not going to be able to. So I've tried to, um, I told someone my job for tonight will be to edit well. And relay well, and so I'm going to try to do that as I have prayerfully and um, really tried to seek what needs to happen on this first night. So, 1 Peter three and fifteen, being our first, our first verses, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. There's a really a lot in that, in that scripture. Be ready to give that answer. Someone comes up to you, someone asks you a question about your faith. Has anyone ever been asked a question and you were stumped? I see a lot of nodding. I'm, I'm gonna tell you in front of everyone, I've been, I've been stumped before. I've been asked a question and I've been stumped before. Um, that's okay because I have found a really comfortable answer. That's a great question. That's a great question. I'm going to get back to you on that. Um, and so we want to be able to give the question that we have, but what I would encourage each of us to not do is to make something up. Ooh, ooh. Okay. be able to answer to every man that asketh you a reason of that hope that is in you, but here it is with meekness and fear. We wanna be like the Lord, amen? In our knowledge and in our response, we wanna be like him. Let's pray and ask God to help us. I'll read a couple more verses after we're seated and launch into this. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together tonight. I pray you would help me to teach with wisdom. With clarity. <clears throat> want to be effective on this, this task for tonight to talk about Christian worldview. Pray that you would help us, set us up for what you're trying to accomplish through your word and through this teaching. We're asking it in the name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. amen. You may be seated. For those that would like to put these marks into your text, into your Bible, if you don't have them already, or if you're taking personal notes separate from what will end up in the Church Center app. Again, all those notes will be dropped in there later tonight, you'll be able to have full access to everything we've prepared. But Colossians chapter two and verse eight is the next verse that I would read to you. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after what? The tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Incredible opportunity, I wouldn't embarrass him, but I had a great opportunity, Brother Marcus Grant and I spent some time together here just yesterday and he told me about a paper that he had written on Jesus' name, baptism, and if you know me, if you tell me about something like that, I wanna read it immediately. He was probably thinking maybe I'd read it sometime. Man, I started processing that paper, reading that paper. It was so excellent um, on him tracing the historical all the way from the apostles up until now of individuals that were baptized. And there's a lot of scholarly and non-scholarly evidence of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We need to know when we teach something, when we preach something, and I would even speak to us, when we cheer or champion something, we need to make sure that that is founded in the word of God, not in the philosophy of men. Somebody say amen to that. Not simply after the tradition of men or the rudiments of the world. Ephesians chapter 4, my final scripture to kind of use as a launching pad here tonight. Ephesians 4, verses 17 and 18. It's written, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Remember our first Reading tonight in 1 Peter about that hope that's in you with meekness and fear. He said, walk not as other Gentiles in the vanity of their mind. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Everyone in this room, whether you know it, acknowledge it, or not, and every individual that you deal with on a daily basis has a worldview. It's just the truth. What we teach, what we preach, what we shout about here is tied to our worldview. Now, for some, this will be too surface. For others, this will be too deep. I'm going to do my best to find the happy medium here. How do we define what a worldview actually is? James Sire records it this way, a worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions, an assumption which may be true, partially true, or next slide because it was too many words, that we hold consciously or subconsciously, consistently or inconsistently about the basic constitution of reality and that provides the foundation on which we live, move and have our being. In the book An Introduction to Christian Worldview Pursuing God's Perspective in a Pluralistic World, Anderson, Clark and Noggle defined worldview this way, the conceptual lens through which we see, understand and interpret the world and our place within it. Now, let me give you what I have found to be the most boiled down way to say what worldview is, the way you see the world. It's what truth is to you through the lens. Now, let me use this illustration just so that we can all get on the same page with what worldview is and you're not bored feeling like you're in a college class at the start of this. Who here has ever had to go to the eye doctor where they do this little thing where they go? Which is better, one or two? Has anyone besides me ever been in that moment frantically feeling, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Anyone besides me ever said, can you do it again? Can you? I'm just letting everybody else know you're not alone. Everyone's done that. You thought it was just your crazy eyes. No. No. We've all been there, one, two, and then you try to say as, as strongly as possible, one, <laughs> trying to figure out which one helps you to see the clearest. I would go out on a very bold statement and it's obviously because of the lens through which I see the world and what I believe is truth. In fact, I would make a very strong statement from the beginning of this Wednesday night series for the next three weeks. I believe that the Word of God is absolute truth. I do. I believe it is absolute truth. Now, with some of what we're going to talk through, and cruise through here tonight and over the next couple weeks and what Brother Kilman is going to teach on on Christian worldview next week. We're going to get into some heavy lifting of a lot of academics. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is no scholar, there is no author, there is, there is no book that can ever usurp the truth of this book. And someone would say, yeah, that's great, but that's because you're a Christian. I'm a Christian because... I don't believe that because I'm a Christian. I believe that because I believe this book and that causes me to follow after Christ and the word of God. So how do you see the world? There is an undoubted, there is an undeniable clash of worldviews within our everyday world right now. How many know that's true? undeniable clash. There is has been talked about for the last century worldviews that are in conflict, but it's never been more prevalent than it is right now. And there are worldviews that have been sliced out like an onion and everybody's calling everything a worldview. Well, we can't deal with that tonight. We can't go into the minutia. I'm going to deal with some majors here in a few minutes. But before I can really get to what is a worldview, I have to be okay as a Christian, as a believer, as a Christ follower, and you do too, to say, here's what I believe, and this is why I believe what I believe. I feel as a pastor that I have to be able to answer the question to God, were you comfortable if they clapped about what they did not comprehend? Because I've been to a lot of places where I have seen incredible amounts of young people that all they needed was the right melody to cheer along. All they needed was the preacher to use his voice the right way and all of a sudden say something and everyone else clapped, so they clapped. Several stood, so they stood. It's one thing to be able to stand with the masses. It's another thing, ladies and gentlemen, to be able to stand alone. To stand alone. And we probably need to remind ourselves as we begin this journey here tonight standing alone in a time where they faced great opposition is what allowed the apostles to move forward. They were, that popularity did not last. How many know there was persecution and there still is persecution? I want to make sure I'm not a part of the church because. It's the American church, and I don't deal with great opposition. I want to make sure I'm a part of the church because I believe this doctrine. Make sense? So there is an undoubted and undeniable clash of worldviews within our everyday world. If you don't think that's accurate, go into any business in Indianapolis during the month of June and take your strong Christian stance and voice it. Because I'm the one that have different, employee, uh, different individuals from this church that are employees that are coming and asking me for coaching on how they're supposed to act during the middle of their work celebrations that are taking place this month. Here's what I think. You might be in the world, but you don't have to be of the world. You may work at that company, but you are not slave to that company. You are not slave to that company, nor to their ideologies. I don't care how hot the furnace is turned up. You don't have to bow to that image and you don't have to applaud that God that they're serving. That is not our worldview. And whether they say it's okay or not, our worldview is in direct opposition to that. Amen. Amen. Conflict comes through the belief that one worldview is correct. Well, if... This worldview is right, that means another worldview has gotta be, isn't that an ugly word? No one wants to be wrong, everyone wants to be right. Do you know that's really what self-righteousness is? to be right within oneself. But the lens that we look through this, Alvin Toffer said, every person carries in his head a mental model of the world, a subjective representation of an eternal reality. We've all come to this place. And again, I'm not talking about all the sub worldviews or subcategories, and we might briefly touch some of them. But overall, what is the lens through which we look? And I remind us before I begin to ask these fundamental questions, If we are not looking through the way we raise our children, through the way that we treat our finances, through the way we treat our time, and the way we treat each other through the lens of the text, then we better ask ourselves, then what lens are we looking at it? because if I look at this world and treat this world or if I look at my income or my finances and I treat that or I treat my calendar or I raise my children, you wanna know how to really mess up your children? Stop correcting them biblically. And we can go down the line in every facet of humankind Every facet of humanity and the way that we deal with it, the greatest instruction that we can possibly receive is to see it through the lens of this holy text. Amen. Five major fundamental questions we're developing this worldview from, okay? Number one, where did we come from? Where 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 did We really come from how did this get started now we as Christians we believe we can find creation starting in Genesis but how many know you don't have to travel very far down your block to get an argument on that all right number two identity what does it even mean to be a human what does that really mean for us number three What is the meaning to existence? And I'm not talking about some philosopher. What is the meaning? We believe that we exist for one reason. To worship the Lord. And because we worship the Lord, it's tied into everything we do. Those things I was talking about a moment ago on how we treat our family and finances and time and all. It's tied to that on why we exist. Number four, morality. Then, how should I live? And, and does my worldview affect that? I would tell you 100% your actions and your worldview go hand in hand. That's why it is easy for us to challenge one another. Let me give you a very, let me give you a, a broken down, since we're gonna get from the same writings of Paul that, that wives are to love their husbands, submit to their husbands as Christ loved the church or husbands, wives, as Christ loved the church, and women are supposed to, or wives are supposed to be submitted to the husband, it's not this guys dominating over women and, and, or women being all used under the authority of men, but you're direct in that relationship with your spouse, your husband, and your wife and the way that that looks. And so if your husband says he loves you, but he beats you up, I've got scriptural trouble with that. I've got scriptural problem with that. Anyone that's ever tied to take Christianity and and, and say that it's not tied to morality, that's ridiculous. Our morality is tied to it. And it's, it's, it's in our conversation. It's in our humility versus our vanity. It's in the fleeing of fornication and lasciviousness and perverseness. But it's also beyond just looking against the negative and moving towards the positive. And how about that fifth question? This is the big one. This is the one I'm caught on right now. How does this end? How does this end? Because if we truly have a biblical worldview, we, we must start, Brother Trano, from like that text you sent me today, doing an outreach in a neighborhood we haven't been in before, send me. That stuff gets me so excited. Here's why. Not because we might meet some new person. We might rescue some soul. And if we, ever, if we ever get off balance to where we treat people first as personalities and as the flesh that they carry and we, and we cease to remember the first thing we're dealing with as an eternal soul. Ladies and gentlemen, we must. I'm, 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 I speak to you as openly in the fear of God as I possibly can, and tell you we have got to get back to the conversation of eternity. We must, and I don't mean just in the church. This isn't come me wave a white flag two weeks ago and talk about heaven's coming soon and we'll sing a song about heaven. No, I'm talking in our homes. We've got to get, got to get back to talking about eternity. We've, we've got to get back to talking about the reality of the final destiny of the soul. Because there is a final destiny. And our worldview, this Christian worldview that we have that is in direct conflict with so many other that are out there. This worldview tells me the most important words of all of my being are going to be if I can hear him say, well done. How good and faithful servant. And if we are not careful, we'll, we'll have a what we think is a biblical worldview, but we will become so engulfed in the world we live in that we put more time and energy into a paycheck that's temporal than a security that is eternal. I want to please God. I want the Lord to be pleased with me. So, I want to I talk here briefly about some uh, major worldviews. We're not going to cover them all. I, I want to I talk about uh, theism, pantheism, atheism. There's offshoots of all of them. I'm trying to uh, deal with them in, in some way uh, that we can get a grasp before we take a little more of a deep dive. But, theism, okay? Theism, let's start there. God made all things. I am not apologetic that we get excited in our churches talking about this. In the beginning, God. It is the foundation of everything we have, everything we are, everything we say, everything we do. It, I, I encourage our, our, our young ministers and aspiring ministers, if you're going to have a good word, it had to stop. Start in God. That's why we don't build messages around illustrations. I remember a long time ago, Brother Mooney um, telling me when I was just a student here. You don't. You don't take an illustration and then try to find some scripture to go with your illustration. You get in the Word of God and let that that Word move on you and shape you and work on your heart. And then you go illustration searching. But if you want to find which one is more substantial, I I can tell you as uh, as a preacher that's been preaching for decades now, I'd rather you remember the text than the story. I'd rather you remember some rather than some story that we talk about a, a, um, a ship that was going down or a, a kid that was pulled from the water or a, even a humorous And we do everything we can to try to capture the attention of people. Part of this uh, worldview is this postmodernity. I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again. As speakers, we are tasked to try to find a new emotional hook for for listeners. Brother uh, Butler, every two minutes we lose audiences. This is the national statistic. So I got to get up here and sing and dance to keep everybody's attention and every two minutes tell a new story. But the truth is we can either reach for ears or we can reach for souls. And so when I, in an effort on a Wednesday night Bible study to reach for, for souls, maybe not just yours, but your families, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing more important than this word getting into your heart and getting into your home. I know that I am in direct conflict with much of what even the city I'm preaching in believes, but I want it to hit the atmosphere as much as it hits the speakers. In the beginning, God. Created the heavens and the earth. God created man. I don't believe it was a big bang. I went to the zoo not long ago. <laughs> I'm not buying it. In the beginning, God. Theism is this idea. This this belief, this worldview that God not only created, please catch this, but that God longs for communion with his creation. Every man, every woman in this room, you are God's greatest creation of all things designed, of all things created. You are God's greatest creation. Brother Brzezinski, so when you were talking and doing prayer, that's why he's not intimidated by those questions and by those prayers. In fact, he longs. He showed us in the very earliest of the text that he came in the cool of the day looking for that communion. God is not intimidated by your questions. God is not bothered by your questions. God knows your humanity. Please catch this. God knows your humanity better than you know your humanity. And so he's not thrown by you coming and posing questions or challenging what you're dealing with in your normal life. That's not your newsflash. We're not going to intimidate God. I promise no one in the room is going to ask God anything that God's like, I just didn't see that coming. He can handle our questions because if we have genuine questions, we come to him and we converse with them. What would have happened for mankind had they had a follow-up conversation about the fruit of the tree? Ladies and gentlemen, he can handle your questions. What he cannot, what he has a hard time with is people isolating from that communion. And this is the world we live in. A world that is isolated from that communion, theism, God created it, and from Genesis to Revelation, God looks, longs for communion with his people. So because we, are, we have a theistic worldview, because we believe in scripture and we have a biblical worldview, we believe in theism, because of this, we also believe that God speaks to men. And that men speak to God. Do you, do you realize some, sometime over the last couple decades preachers started getting taken shots at when they said the lord spoke to me people start going come on come on the lord spoke to, the lord spoke to you i feel it right now some are like well you know sometimes they said they heard from god i'd rather trust that they heard from god you want to know your easiest your easiest way if they heard from god it won't contradict the word If someone comes to you and says, oh, I heard from God, but it contradicts the word, they're not going to get some private revelation that is against the word of God. But if they come to you and they've heard from God and it's lined up in agreement with the word of God and it's applicable, thank God I am one person that stands here today because I know I had a pastor that could hear from God. I had parents that could hear from God. And even when God seemed silent in prayer, They'd go hear him in the word. Last time that I taught here on Wednesday night, last week we we were talking about personal Bible study. How many remember that? Two weeks ago, we had to cancel because of the parking lot, which looks great, by the way, thank God. But two weeks ago, I was challenging personal Bible study to learn and to grow in the word. Because of our worldview, we don't treat the Bible like it's just another book on the shelf. We don't use our Bibles to prop up the uneven corners of our table. I have a personal conviction. Some of, I I was, I don't even want to say who it was. I was with someone not long ago and they kept putting something on top of their Bible like this. And every time I just, I just reach over and just set it down next to me. And it happened two or three times and they finally caught me and they were like, I was wondering what was, it's just I have this, there's nothing like this book. There's just, I know that it might just, to some people, this is just another book. This is just ink on other pages and, and other leather. It's not, not, not to us. Not to us. This is not just any book. This, in the beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so when we come in this place and we begin to teach and talk and look, we are in common union collectively what we individually are supposed to be doing in our everyday life. If the only place that we get into the scripture is when we come to church, it's not your worldview, it's your Sunday glasses. It's like the person that doesn't ever know where their glasses are at. Many of us are at that stage where someone says, read this. Who besides me is at that place someone puts it and they say, read this and you just scoot their hand farther. How long is your arm? Get that? Oh, oh, I love you too. Yeah. We're in that place. Second thing I want to talk about is pantheism. God is all. Go to some examples pantheism, Buddhism, Hinduism. Many use different languages, but all the same overall. Even if you use different names for your God, there's kind of this belief system. Well, you, you, call, you call God what you want to call God, and I'll call what God what I want to call God and get into pantheistic motto. I, I don't want to go too far with some of this, but I, I want to get to this place where I can say this clearly. There is an entire worldview that wants everybody to believe you have your God, let me have my God, we'll all have our gods, we'll all be fine. I'll honor what you you know. This has been one of the major statements made about okay, I'm getting riled up. Don't mean to, don't, it's just you get what you get, okay. One of the major statements about Pentecostals is, is your problem. This is what they say, Brother Maskell. Your problem is that you can't just have your religion and let us have ours. And we all want to go, yeah, because you're wrong. That's how we're feeling. But listen, we got to make care. We got to still get back to this meekness thing. We're not. I want to say this very clearly. We're not trying to be right for the sake of being right. I want to make a clear statement, Brother Brown. I am not in this to win arguments. That's why we got to be guarded. Some of my, I have some people I highly respect in this room that are after uh, uh, continued degrees and working. And, and Brother Henderson, I'll pick on you because I work with you a lot and you're in a doctoral program right now. And I honor that. But our, our, our job here is not to win arguments. It's to win souls. And so we have to be meek when we enter certain conversations. Be- Listen, because it is the attribute of Christ and the character of Christ, not because we believe we are lesser. When it comes to topics, of especially of salvific issue, we, are, we take a back seat to nobody. Know the truth and the truth. It's a freedom that comes in understanding the truth. That's why we will not be backed into a corner when someone challenges on the oneness of God. And listen, if you've never been challenged on the oneness of God, you're spending too much time with just oneness people. I've never been challenged on the, you need to get out. I've been challenged plenty of times on the oneness of God. Well, what did you do, pastor? Since you're trying to reach everybody, I bet you waver there. I don't believe in that. And I don't believe in a pantheistic mindset or worldview. I don't believe that there's some God that created us, but doesn't want communion with us. Uh, Man, I'm trying not to get into all these splinters of different things on this. But I will tell you with a proper biblical worldview, I've got to have this determination and the clarity. Yes, I want to be meek in the fact that I'm not just trying to win some argument with you. And at the same time, I'm not planning on letting anyone verbally run over the scripture that I believe in. That could be a balance at times. How about that third thing that I mentioned, atheism? How many know what atheism is? There is no God. You would say, well, what about agnosticism? Major, major books have been written talking about apatheism. What is that? What are, these, what are these things that have spiraled? I, I call them snowballs. Some of you have done the financial stuff where it snowballs. That's what's happened to us in worldview. It's just kind of snowballed and one thing has led to another. And this atheistic view, um, atheistic view, you're gonna end up in a place of, of, of naturalism, end up in nihilism, how many know what nihilism? Nihilism is the most depressing conversation in the world. Some of you never heard about nihilism. You've heard about Christian worldview. Nihilism, this, none of it matters. None of it really matters. I don't, I, don't think we should, I don't think we should really worry about it because none of it, none of it, at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, you want to know why we have the amount of teenagers killing themselves? Nothing really matters. You want to know why we got teenagers rioting in the streets of our downtowns? Nah, it doesn't really matter. And it's this tie. I think it's this tie between the two things, this, this resulting in post-modernity where everything is to be questioned. This language even got into the church. Some of you will remember this. This language even got into the church. The preacher would preach it and say, I don't know if that's all. Not even realizing it was the effects of things like postmodernity. It's all relative. It's all, it's all questionable. So you preach it as absolute truth. And here's how we do it on the scholarly side. We'd look at Pastor Lopez would get up and preach absolute truth about doctrine. But I'd have this part of me that would say, yeah, you're picking up some theological boulder. Prove it. Well, I, I thought... I just did. I read to you from the scripture. But if there is no honoring of scripture, there is no honoring of the principle of the scripture. Right? That's why I speak to us, ladies and gentlemen, on this start of this series and tell us we've got to fall in love with this Bible. We have got to be in love with this word. It's not just, it's not just one or the other. Let me let me um let me go here. I want to I wanna try to make sense of this. I want to try to tie this together. Uh, just a little bit. I don't want to get too far off. Deism. Everybody say deism. deism. Deism's this historical result of the decay of robust Christian theism. And I want to say this because I have a slide. It's where deism is like a strip of land between the two continents of theism and naturalism. See if you, See this right here? It's this, it's this slide. Theism is this um, God created and, and wants communion. And we get into this place of deism where we're like, wait a minute. There is a God, but I don't think the whole communion thing matters. There, there is a God. He there, there is a God. There's a quote, air quotes. There's a, there's a God. There's a thing. Like there's a creator. That's what deism is. It's this slide to And and here's how it got used, Brother Norman, even in the church. We started finding it okay to just ask questions like this. Do you believe there's a God? And if people said yes, we're like, yes. That was never the plan. But it's this gradual slide from absolute truth that's happened over the centuries. To this place of deism, and deism is this landing strip between us and naturalism where you're gonna get into this place where, wow, no offense. Well, maybe offense. Uh, People get weird. Can I? We have some people in the world that are odd. Beliefs are odd. Thinking is odd. You know why they're odd to us, Brother Sipes? Because we have a biblical world view but brother Turner our thinking is odd to them it's weird to them it's foreign to them so what do we what do we land on how do we how do we launch all this where do we where do we come to and where do we find oh I know it's our witness how many believe in our witness because we spent a month I set you up for this we believe, Brother Trando, in that witness. We believe in it. We believe in it. We believe in it. I'm going to give everybody something right now that maybe you've never heard before. Maybe you have. I don't. I'm in the book, so stick with me. Your witness is not enough. Your witness is not enough. And if you don't think that's correct, go talk to a Mormon. Because they are stronger witnesses Than a lot of us to what they have experienced in reading the Book of Mormon. You want to get get them going on Joseph Smith and watch the tears roll down their cheeks while they talk to you and give you witness about their truth. We don't overcome simply by witness. We overcome by witness and the blood of the, the Lamb. The power of our message is in the absolute truth of that word. And we have to remember that the truth was God before it was word. And so we overcome by our witness, but also by the blood of the Lamb. How many remember in John chapter 4, when Jesus enters dialogue with a woman on the well, this woman through her worldview lens begins to say, we know Messiah will come. She had a particular view, a lens that she looked through. And Jesus begins this dialogue where true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. You've heard this said many times, but I reiterate it tonight as we're launching into this series again. We have to know why we shout about what we shout about. And then I would tell you this, whether you're a demonstrative person or not, if nothing excites you in the presence of God anymore, you need a worldview examination. Say, man, pastor, you don't like it unless we're running aisles. No! No! Some of you, we don't want you running house. I don't want anybody giving me a hip replacement bill. I don't want any. But I'm going to tell you every now and then, it's just sitting there right there in that pew. And your worldview causes you to say, amen. Whew. Amen. I'm not going to allow the gradual slide Can I give you a couple examples before we're done about how things, how about the worldview of something like new age spirituality? You say, well, it's so foreign to us. We would never deal with that. If you're a Christian, yay, I would say even an apostolic in this world, in this room right now, you're an apostolic here and you have ever, because the world you live in said something to your spouse or to your friend or to your kids like, well, you know, that's karma. Oh, I hear many believers say stuff like, that's karma. Do you realize that that's new age language in your tongue talking tongue? That's why I think as parents we got to be tuned in to what our kids are saying. We better be careful what language because this world's trying to baptize them with a philosophy and with worldviews that are atheistic and pantheistic and every kind of you, you walk through it all. We've got to be careful what well what goes around comes around. That's a long ways from reap what you sow. That's a long ways from the modern, <laughs> well, it's just a modern way of, no, it's not. Just like there's certain things we can't replace. We can't replace doctrine, we can't replace scripture because we can't replace our lens. And the big pressure, I'm, look, I'm gonna give everybody in the room hope, okay? Watch this, see that, hope. Buried my grandmother. Buried my grandmother not too long ago. So many of you were so sweet, so kind, praying for us, praying for our family. The Church I walked into to bury my grandmother had a big flag hanging in the window because it's a gradual slide of acceptance. Done under the, done under the banner of love. Listen, love and acceptance are different. And love and validation are worlds apart. Please hear me. A Christian worldview reminds me that in Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being. If you are a primarily negative person, I question your worldview. If you're, if you say, well, that's just my flesh. Well, our worldview says we crucify our flesh. As ministers, we are under the same challenge, and anyone here who writes or teaches or leads in any way, any facet of ministry, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Not by our own abilities, not by our own skill sets, not by our own, by this book. So it has to challenge everything that I say and everything that I do and every way. I'm I'm ending with this. I'm ending with this statement, okay? It's got to challenge the way I get up in the morning. It's got to challenge and affect the way that I see the, the kids that I'm raising. It's got to affect, I got to see my own children as souls. I got to see my wife as a soul. I got to see my neighbors, something we're dealing with and trying to, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm just going to go, I'm being transparent. Something before we ever moved into our house, we prayed God put us in a place where we can reach people. When I left, when I left Ohio, I, I, I my last service in Ohio, if you come there, there's a row full of two rows full of people. One whole row of them was just neighbors. Why? I think he puts us places to reach people. My wife and I talked about this not long ago. We said, if, we, if, if God's not open this neighborhood, we're moving. I'll be honest, I love preaching to you, but I don't want to preach to you if I can't reach. It's my worldview. It's my worldview that I don't just come together with people that believe in the name and celebrate. It's something that we do. But part of our worldview is that we're looking at every person as a soul. Does that make sense? It affects everything we do. So why don't we go to why don't we go to work and just curse along with everybody else? It's our worldview. We see things differently. When they're having a conversation and they're they're talking about how abortion ought to be championed again, just be meek, just be quiet, just don't. S- I'm not talking about rude. I'm not talking about being ugly, but I'm also not talking about being less than Christian. If you're asked the question then do not deviate from the doctrine of your faith. God, we want to please you. We huh, we want to please you. It's summertime in Indiana. It seems like the morals of our world are evaporating in front of our eyes try not to focus on the negative so we're turning our attention to the cross and we're asking you for help to be what you've called us to be we find strength we find positivity we find encouragement we we find that because we look to you but yet we know that every day is not going to be easy but if we will live in you every day will be right Help our judgment not to be clouded by the ideologies of this world. Help us not to make compromises at work based on the social customs and work customs. Help us not to cash in our worldview for the tolerance of others. I pray strength for every parent in this room. I pray strength for every grandparent in this room that we would not make allowances in our homes that are contrary to the convictions of our soul. I pray you'd give us strength to be Christ followers. I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me in this house right now? Lord help us, Lord help us. I I want I want to ask something right now um, before we leave. If you're in this room, I don't know if I've ever done this, but boy, I feel it tonight. If you're in this if you're in this room, and you need God to give you a little special help at work right now, I want you to just raise your hand. You need you need God just to help you on the job site right now. You're dealing. I see a lot of comfort coming after hands are going up. It's all right. Let's pray collectively as a body for these. There's a lot of hands that just went up. Come on, these are your brothers and your sisters. God, whatever they're enduring, whatever they're dealing with, whether it be mental or emotional, spiritual, I don't know, but you know, and they're being honest, and I feel the prayers of the people. Help us, God. Help these, these believers whose worldview, whose whose values even caused them to be here on a Wednesday night and lift their hand and say, it's been a little tough, but God, we know you're able. I pray you'd walk with them. I pray some of them would feel a marked difference even the next two days of this week that they'd be able to walk in here Sunday, saying Thursday and Friday are the best days at work I've had in a long time because I am inviting the presence of God. To the person in this room, before we leave this house, to the person in this room that thinks, man, I I go to a workplace that doesn't have the presence of God at all. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God is omnipresent. Man, I feel this for somebody right now. God is omnipresent. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, when you walk onto that job site, the Holy Ghost is walking with you. Come on, this is our worldview. God doesn't laugh at you when you leave your house or leave the church. He's not sitting back with his arms folded watching you. He said, I'm Never leave you. Never forsake you. Somebody needs, this may be the number one reason we're here tonight. Somebody better hear me. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's walking with you. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is in you. And He wants to do a work through you. Be the God we serve, not just the God we talk about. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Fellowship one with another, brothers and sisters. We dismiss you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.